I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And welcome to this month's episode of The List Makers, where we are doing top five worst decisions in Doctor Who. <laughs> this is The List Makers. It's where, look, you know the drill by now, I hope. We have a topic, we each make a list, and then we discuss it all in 20 minutes. It's all about the chat. Top five worst decisions in Doctor Who, Rob. I've been so looking forward to this one because we don't do the negative ones so often. But it is fun sometimes to make a negative list. I feel like a bit of a pantomime villain, Dave. <laughs> yes. Y- y- yes. And uh, look, without spoiling anything, there are a couple of ones I felt I had to have. A couple I think are a little more out of the box. Are we going to have some snaps? What do you reckon? Oh, some of these, when I look at my list, I think I want to say these, but they're so obvious. I'm sure we're going to have snaps. But I've thought that before and we haven't had snaps. So who True. knows? I reckon we'll have two snaps. Two snaps. I'll go with two as well. That sounds all right. All right. Well, it's my turn to go first, so Mm -hmm. I will start making my list. And, of course, we don't interrupt each other apart from a few oohs and ahs. (laughs) We we see what we've each come up with, and then we have a chat. And, look, I have got a couple of uh, honourable mentions that we'll talk about afterwards as well. But my number five, and it's appropriate this is number five, I think, because my number five worst decision is accepting Peter Davison's resignation so easily. Mm. It's on the record that Peter Davison didn't quite enjoy doing his second season all that much, said, I'll just do three, pull the pin, and J&T was very quick to go, great, I get to cast a new Doctor, oh, and, and, and got into it. And then as Peter Davison was filming his third season, he's like, if this is what it's going to be like, I'll do a fourth. And J&T was, oh, no, I've already started thinking about the new one. I've moved on from you. Mm. And uh, I think that if they'd said, no, Peter, do a fourth, just give us a couple more months to do a fourth, that would have been a very beneficial to the show. Mm-hmm. Number four, and maybe this is because I've been watching the season 17 Blu-ray set, it is Arato. <laughs> Never before or since in the history of a Doctor Who show has one production decision utterly destroyed a story so much there is look look there are problems with that story to start with but it, it's it's not worse than a lot of doctor who in some ways yes problematic we won't go there but mm. the moment you see Arato lumber into shot you cannot take that story seriously ever again that is a mistake it should not have been done mm-hmm. number three look this is one of the ones that i felt i had to go to and that is having been on hiatus for 18 months in the mid-80s, to come back with Trial of a Time Lord and not having thought it through, to not have a plan that says, this is what the 14 episodes is going to look like, to not make sure that everybody knows what the ending looks like, to have had this bizarre past, present, future kind of theme that didn't work at all and potentially to have sat there after a while and interrogated these and gone you know what maybe we won't do a 14 part story after all just again you could forgive it if they were rushed but they had more time to prepare this season than any other in classic who and they made some fundamental mistakes so worst decision there number two a new series one and this is RTD's decision, and he has said himself this was perhaps one of his worst decisions in Doctor Who, and that is to not do a fifth season of the show, a fourth season of David Tennant, but to voluntarily rest the show and have a couple of specials. Now, I'm not saying that we would have had Doctor Who 13 episodes every 12 months for the next 20 years if he hadn't done that. I'm not that naive. 
But what this did was at the point where the show had so much momentum and was doing so well, the Imperial phase we've spoken about before, mm-hmm. RTD normalised the idea that we will just take a year off. If we do a couple of specials, that's fine. That that counts, okay? And why? Because I thought we might be a bit overexposed. Come on! Yeah. Very bad long-term decision, I think, there, RTD. And the number one worst decision, look, it's an obvious one. It's a cliched one. I apologise, but I think it is the worst, and that is part one of The Twin Dilemma. (laughs) Okay. So I think it's been said before, launching Colin Baker's Sixth Doctor with a story at the fag end of a season where Mm. the money is running out, to have had him angry and awful, to have him strangle the companion. Now... Twin Dilemma. You watch that from about halfway through part two. It's a f- okay, serviceable B-movie type sci-fi run around. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Not great, but okay. But that first episode and a half is horrible. It's awful. It takes Colin basically until Terror of the Vervoids to really get past that start that he was given. Yeah. And it was compounded by the fact that there was this whole nine-month break or whatever it was between I'm the Doctor, whether you like it or not, which is code for if you don't like me, get stuffed. <laughs> and yes. it didn't even go into it. At least now we've got a fun adventure with some, some, with some Cybermen. It was just, <laughs> okay, well, he's told me to get stuffed. I'll just sit here for the next season and see what I think of that. Actually, you know what? I might not turn in. So uh, they are my top five. As I say, I've got some honourable mentions that came close. But Rob, what is your list? Well, I'll start, Dave, by saying we have no snaps. Oh, oh, fantastic. Okay, good. (laughs) Although we have some related issues. Okay. Okay. In at number five for me is moving to 50-minute episodes in season 22. Now, I know this is a weird thing to say because 50 minutes is now standard in Doctor Who and a lot of TV in general. But back in the 80s, for a show that had always been 25 minutes up to that point, it just felt weird. They literally felt like two episodes just stuck together. And in some countries, they were shown as two episodes. I don't know whether it's psychological or not, but when your head is attuned to 25-minute Doctor Who episodes, these just drag for me. Every time I put them on, it's like, oh, God, it's one of these long episodes. Oh, no. Of course, it only lasted for a season, so this isn't some heinous crime that destroyed my childhood. But I think it's a worthwhile thing to kick off with, and I can build up the crimes from here. Excellent. (laughs) Number four, not giving Paul McGann a series post-2013. I think the Night of the Doctor showed quite conclusively that we'd been sitting on this great Doctor for so long. Big Finnish fans knew, of course, but actually getting McGann on screen and doing something new proved that he's a Doctor we could stand to have a lot more from, quite frankly, even 17 years after his debut, as it was back in 2013. As we sit here now, that was almost 10 years ago itself, and how we haven't had some sort of mini-series, just, I don't know, three 45-minute episodes or something like that, I don't know. In another 20 to 30 years, when he's definitely past doing it, or maybe even no longer alive, I think people will look back and say, hey, why didn't they do that? And when you can see that question coming, literally decades off, it feels like such a crime. Moving on, number three... Not moving on, JNT, after the five Doctors. Ooh. <laughs> now, this is something that just stumps me on so many levels, Dave. You've got a guy who's done all he can do with Doctor Who, so for the sake of the show, he needed to move on and we needed to get some fresh blood in. That's simple. This idea that, oh, no one would do it, 
just doesn't wash with me. Are we really saying there was no young Turk in the BBC? No one who wouldn't grab it with both hands and run with it for a couple of years just to make their name. It's always seemed too simplistic an argument for mine. And the flip side of the coin, you've got this outrageous gay guy in JNT who loves light entertainment and all the stuff the BBC excels at. He's a one-man PR team to boot. It's a no-brainer to go and give him something that just suited his personality and skills. He would have soared with it. So, in other words, this would have been really good for Doctor Who on one hand and really good for the BBC on the other. <sighs> all right. Number two. <laughs> that, that took a lot of energy there, Rob, I felt. It did. It did. <laughs> Number two, Dave, is appointing Chris Chibnall. Some might see this as low-hanging fruit. Some might see it as kicking the guy when he's already halfway out the exit. But I think it needs to be said. I've never seen anyone divide Doctor Who fandom like Chibnall has. And I include JNT in that. You know, he might have got a bollocking around the hiatus, around Trial of a Time Lord, maybe even around Season 24. But I know plenty of people who will bollock him to this day for those things and still say, oh, but things got better in Season 25 and 26. Yeah, he did some good stuff as well. Whereas Chibnall, his writing's been subpar on the whole. His decisions on what to insert into the series have destroyed fandom. And I'm not exaggerating there. And in five years, we've had three short series with the odd good moment. And the odd good moment's always been written by someone who isn't Chris Chibnall. I could go on all night, quite literally, but I'll <laughs> cut it off there. And I'll just say I've never seen an era like the Chibnall era. It's been terrible for fandom. Number one, cancelling the series in 1989. Now, I realise... That, that's a really thing. obvious one. Sorry, sorry, I have to interrupt. That is a really obvious one. And I feel silly. I missed it. Keep going, please. <laughs> yeah. Look, I realise this can be debated, and I know the arguments for giving the show a rest, but with a little more thought and some understanding, someone ought to have been able to have seen the reversal of fortune in the series after Cartmel had become script editor, particularly season 25 and 26. They should have been able to see the swing back into sci-fi in general with stuff like Star Trek The Next Generation and in a few years X-Files would be a big thing and and good lord they would have known what the worldwide revenues of the show were someone should have been realizing hey look we make this thing for peanuts but it sells very well it's a major worldwide brand but apparently not or perhaps they did see all of that and just didn't care. I find the 1989 cancellation, not that it was couched like that at the time, it was just being rested and then it never came back. Yes, yes, I get all of that. I just find it extraordinary, Dave, and that's my number one. Well, before I go into my honourable mentions, which I will do in a moment, I think I think it's worthy of picking up on that one. And I think all the points you make are just so correct. And the other mm -hmm. thing is... If the BBC head of drama or whatever the appropriate person was at the time had sat down with Cartwell and said, OK, we're not sure about giving you another season. What have you got planned? And he would have said, here's what we're already thinking about. Here's how we're going to ride out Ace. Here's how we're going to introduce the new companion. Here's what the new companion is going to be like. Here's our introductory story, which is going to be da 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 da. It was ready to go. Mm -hmm. It was. So, yeah, I think that of all the times to not cancel it, it was that time. But look, I'm sure we all appreciate that. The two honourable mentions that I had, mm -hmm. the Melting Baby from Rebel Flesh. Oh, yeah. Which I just felt was such a crass and uncomfortable decision. And that whole arc really just sat very, very badly with me, and I think with a lot of people. And and I think that's another one where even, even Moffat has said, maybe in hindsight, wasn't the right call. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other is Making Time Flight. Not, <laughs> not, not, not from a, I don't like this story, they shouldn't have made it, but from a very genuine, when you're the production team and you see a script 
that has Concorde landing in Jurassic England. Yes. And you're going to try and make this on the, again, <laughs> end of season story budget. Mm-hmm. You should just have gone, we can't do this. Yeah. Not happening. Exactly. Maybe if, Maybe if you're doing it with the opener budget, you could maybe get away with it. But no, that should just never have been done. It's a shocker. Paul McGann. Yes. I want to tease this one out because it's something that you're right. A lot of fans, particularly those who are of a certain inclination and a certain era of the show, Mm -hmm. do talk about a lot. But what's to say that if they'd made a 24-episode season of Paul McGann, it wouldn't have all been just as bad as the TV movie was. And you'll be sitting there going... The worst mistake they ever made was making 24 really bad episodes with Paul McGann. <laughs> well, that's what they would have been doing if they had continued on after 96. But my my specific point is after 2013, when we have right. the Night of the Doctor, and he comes back in Night of the Doctor, and it's like, this is 17 years on, he can still do it, and everyone's gone gaga for it. Why aren't we doing a three-part miniseries or something? You know, he's not taking over as the new Doctor. It'll be shorter than whatever season the current Doctor's making. Let's just do Paul in a story. That's what I would have liked to have seen this past decade, frankly. So do you think that the audience generally, and fandom specifically, is mature enough to cope with two Doctors at once? Well, fandom copes with... 13 Doctors at once because someone might be watching Jodie on TV one week but popping in a DVD and watching Tom or Peter at the same time I know what you're saying they're two concurrent Doctors not like a past Doctor (laughs) and a new Doctor but I think if you're a fan you can surely compartmentalise that there is the current ongoing Doctor and here is a special special thing happening over here I'm sure a fan can do that yes and I mean concurrent series of Trek have been a thing for a long time and even on the day that we're recording this mm. there's an episode of star trek discovery dropping and there's an episode of star trek picard dropping so right. so we can literally have two dare i say generations of, of <laughs> trek existing concurrently and we did obviously have hartnell on tv and cushing in the cinemas mm-hmm. and this is literal concurrency we're talking about you could also have a scenario where doctor who was running april through the middle of the year and then the special series with mcgann might have been at the end of the year maybe it made up the christmas special or something i, I don't know no look that's true rob there's a bit of a theme that runs through a number of our picks nearly mm. a majority particularly if you take my honorable mentions are from the 1980s of course, we live through it. I've already thought this through, Dave, because okay, when I was good. listening to yours, I'm thinking, I've done a lot of 80s, you've done some 80s. And I think, yes, because we lived through this, so we saw these things firsthand and we probably talked about them more because they were happening while we were there. Whereas you look back at the 60s and you're just reading these things in books. You didn't really live through it. You didn't really talk about it at the time because you weren't alive back then. So my go-tos are things that I have lived through. And the 80s seemed to be a big part of that for me. How about you? Yeah, I think that's very much the case. It's it's funny how much in my head I divide all things, but including Doctor Who between stuff I was alive for and stuff I wasn't alive for. Mm. And, and, and season 17, even though it's only one year before season 18, feels like it was 20 years before because I wasn't <laughs> on the planet for it. And yeah. there's, a, there's a real mental divide there. But the other thing is, of course... 
the 80s is so well documented and we're used to long form interviews with J&T and Eric Saywood and Peter Davison and Colin Baker and the directors involved and the writers involved, whereas we don't have long form interviews with Verity Lambert, David Whittaker, Innes Lloyd, Patrick Troughton. Uh, we've got, you know, nice little grabs of them in, in, in larger documentaries or, you know, a nice fluffy interview with Patrick Troughton on some BBC interview show. But mm. we don't we don't have those those same sort of, you know, dedicated fans sitting down and going, OK, Verity Lambert, tell me what was really going on when you were making The Web Planet. Yeah, not in the same volume. And even when they have got Verity for some of the DVD extras back in the in the early days of the DVDs, I think the ways even of asking questions and making the, the little fan films was different. And so she probably even wasn't asked questions that she would have been asked if she was still alive, you know, 20 years hence. No, exactly. You don't have, for example... Eric Saywood doing a doco for Time Flight of the Davison era and, and just openly saying, well, I said to J&T that we couldn't do it with a Concorde and, you know, this wasn't the best script, but he was really keen, so there you go. And then he <laughs> flew off to America. And then he flew off to America and left me to fix it, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't have that really outside. And even for the 70s, it's clear that Philip Hinchcliffe was respected by people who worked with him and he revered and loved Robert Holmes, so never mm. says a bad word about him and... Letts and Dix were clearly close friends and they were very close friends with John Pertwee and so they never say anything against each other. And even when Nicholas Courtney might have some criticisms of how his character was done, it's all sort of couched in the, well, that was a long time ago and oh, I'm over it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm. This has been a good topic. It, it has. And, and there were a number that came to mind and, and some that I did rule out because I thought it was just unfair. Mm -hmm. So, so for example, you know, could you put Warriors of the Deep in there? It wasn't really a decision. It was just that things got away from them and, and, and they couldn't do it. Mm. Stuff in Terminus that didn't work was, was mistakes, not decisions. Yeah. Where, whereas I think something like Arato, that, that was a conscious decision mm -hmm. and, and it would go a different way. But yes, we're coming up to 20 minutes. So it has been entertaining. I, and I honestly thought we were going to snap on Twin Dilemma. Really? Yeah, it's just such a... I just thought it was such a go-to one, but uh, clearly not. So there you go. But, yeah, yeah. Oh. Look, if, if I made some um, some honourable mentions, it probably would have snuck in there because it is a stinker. <laughs> That's for sure. Yes, but um, it's a stinker that didn't have to be one. Exactly. And and, and if we, we're going to go there, the fact that they tried to emulate it with Capaldi is a really bad decision. Fortunately, they pulled back a lot faster with that one. And fortunately, Capaldi was able to pull himself back as well. Yes. Yes, indeed. But look, we are at the 20 minutes now or near enough. So yes. I will reach into Turlo's Rassilon's hat. The, the hat. The hat with <laughs> the, the hat. topics in it. The hat. The thing. Yes. Top five yeah. historicals. Oh. Oh, that's a good topic. There's a challenge for me. In, in narrowing them down and not having 10 runners-up, yes. Well, I, I was going to say not picking five Hartnells. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I will set myself the challenge that there must be at least two non-Hartnells in there. All right. And we can define historicals. We can be a bit loosey-goosey, can we? Oh, it's all about the chat, Rob. It's all about the chat. Very good, Dave. Nice segue into our um, tagline. Fantastic. Well, look, it's been fun to make some lists. I've been Dave. And I've been Rob. And we'll make more next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you.